0: Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple: we're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Good morning. Say it again. Good morning. Who said, "Praise the Lord"? You're my favorite. Good morning. This month, uh, we are in a message, uh, message series called Foundations. And in this series, uh, we are examining our own church foundations. Uh, and by examining church foundations, this is what we're doing. We are looking at the essence of who you are, or who we are. How many of you remember from last week, we kind of talked a little bit about what essence is. The essence of who we are, that is, who we are organically as a church... Who we are organically, that's important because we're not trying to be anything special. We're just trying to be who we are. So who we are organically, and in addition to that, essence is the indispensable qualities of something. What that means is that it's those things that if they were not a part of who we are, we would cease to be Redeemer's Church. And I ended last week talking about the fact one of the primary components of... Uh, what makes Redeemers Redeemers is our desire to be at all times sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in what we do. And that in and of itself is one of the reasons why we chose to go back into the song, or I chose back, to go back into the song, because I just felt that the Holy Spirit was leading us to go back there to let that uh, settle in our, our hearts. Psalms talks about Selah moments. You know what uh, Selah means? It literally means pause in the presence. It's taking moments and just pausing, not moving on, not going to the next thing, because Israel as a nation always camped around the presence of God. They did not camp around a leader. In the Old Testament, as they were going from uh, going out of Egypt into the Promised Land, they always gathered around. The presence of God. So it's important if we are modeling that, that we make sure that we are listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say and do, and we're following his lead. Can I get an amen? Amen. And the purpose of this series is so that we can continue to follow God's blueprint, say blueprint, for who Redeemer's church is designed by God to be. I don't know about you, but I believe that our church was designed by God, it was not the opinions, ideologies of a man. It was designed by God. And so that means that there's a blueprint. Let me just say it this way. We're looking back at our history so that we can get an idea of what's in our future. Because there is a blueprint for Redeemer's Church. How many of you know what a Tesla car is? Anybody a Tesla fan? Chuck, we're Chuck at? Okay, Chuck? Chuck is humble about it, but his car's not. When he enters into the parking lot and he's waving with both hands, that's his kind of um, side way of letting you know that the Tesla, he's not driving the Tesla, the Tesla's driving him. But I want you to suppose this, this, this thought. Suppose that uh, we're in a Tesla production facility and the Teslas are on the production line and they're going through the line. And as they're going through the line, suppose there's an employee of Tesla that get it, the car vehicle gets to his point and he, and he starts to think this, you know what? I work for Tesla, but even though I work for Tesla, I've always been kind of a Toyota plan or a Toyota fan. So here's what I'm going to do. As, the, as these cars come to my point, I'm going to do what I can to kind of personally alter and adjust these Teslas so that they can have a little bit of a Toyota feel. What's going to happen when Elon Musk finds out that this guy just thought, you know what? I know we're Tesla and I know we have blueprints, but I just wanna kinda add a little bit of a Toyota flair. What's gonna happen? He's gonna get fired and then he's going to be sent to Mars. It's going to probably be, it's going to be that whole thing. Hey, I will have a, a severance package for you, but you got to get on the, the, the ship. Listen, the reason why that would take place is because the modifications did not improve the original design. They changed the original design. So when we think about our church, we're improving the design, we're not changing it. And I don't know about you, but I firmly believe that over 58 years ago, God gave Pastor Willard and Millie a blueprint, and far be it from us that we modify that. We stay in line. So with that in mind, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. This is our passage of scripture that we've been building this series on. It says this, it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me. By the way, every person that plants a church has a God-given grace. And that grace is connected to the blueprint, the, the aspect of the kingdom of God that God is wanting to build through that church. He said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and now another is building on it. But here's what's more, most important. But each man, say each man, must be careful how he builds on it. Why does he need to be careful so that a Tesla does not become a Toyota? That it stays in line with what was designed from the beginning. The point is, it's important that we examine our church's foundation so that as we continue to build Redeemer's Church, what we build continues to follow God's blueprint. So when we examine our church's foundation, what are some of the, the distinguishing qualities that make Redeemers, Redeemers? And I'm gonna just take us on a, a little bit of a history trip, but it will end with some application for us. But let me just uh, do that. Let's, we're gonna answer that question. What are some of those indistinguishable qualities um, that make Redeemers, Redeemers? Number one, Redeemers Church is an apostolic community. Redeemer's Church is an apostolic community. How many of you know what that means? (laughs) Sweet, two people. I counted two hands. You know what that means? I hope all y'all pay attention. (laughs) Redeemer's Church is an apostolic community. We are not a apostolic denomination. We are an apostolic community. In January of 2018, many of you were a part of this. We were part of a time of prophetic ministry. And basically what prophetic ministry is, uh, that can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different Christian circles. But here, what that looks like, especially for this event, is that we brought in a pair of people that travel truthfully the world and they travel the world ministering in different churches because they uh, function in the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, spiritual gift of prophecy is basically this. It's that they have this increased spiritual sensitivity to what God is saying for them and what, is, what God is saying for other people. And God uses them to deliver those messages. And those messages are not just encouraging. They're not just edifying, but they are life altering. How many of you have ever received a prophetic word that changed the course or direction of your life? Look at these hands. Okay, so prophetic ministry is highly valuable. And so at this prophetic ministry, I want you to hear a prophetic word that was spoken over our church in regards to being an apostolic community. Listen to this. This church will become not just a local church, but an apostolic center and an apostolic community. God is going to release an apostolic grace that is being poured out on this house. It's a direct quote from what Clem, who happened to be one of the prophets or prophetic people that we brought in, spoke. So what does it mean to be an apostolic community? What does that mean? Number one, an apostolic community places high value on the prophetic gifting. Okay, I'm outlining what it looks like to be a apostolic place. It places high value on the prophetic gifting. An apostolic community invests time, energy, and resources into prophetic ministry because of these reasons. Number one, prophetic voices supply affirmation and direction to God's people. Every... It is our heart here, and I'm not saying this is the heart for every, every other church because I don't know, but it is our heart here that you develop a spiritual sensitivity to hear God for yourself and for other people because it has a life-altering impact in the lives of people. When I was 15 years old, I had three different people from three different places across America say that I was being groomed for youth ministry. What they did not know is what I had already felt. I was given the opportunity at, I believe, 14 years old to share a a mini sermon with our youth ministry. And when I shared that sermon at 14 years old, after I was done, although I was terrified and it was probably the worst sermon in the history of sermons, I remember walking away from that experience feeling this assurance. This is what I'm called to do with my life. I'm called to share from God's word. I didn't say that to anybody. I did not tell anybody within this span of 12 months. Three different people that do not know each other came to me and said, the Lord says this to you. And that confirmed, it affirmed what I was already So prophetic voices supply affirmation and direction to God's people. Prophetic voices teach and cultivate a hunger for people to hear God for themselves. There's a person that has spoken here. His name is Mark Verkler. How many of you know who Mark Verkler is? Mark Verkler has an amazing testimony. His testimony was that he he was a pastor that never felt like he heard God's voice. And he started to pray and he started to see God and he started to ask God to teach him how to hear him. And in this exercise, in this process, God gave him these, he led him down a pathway so that he could feel more confident that what he felt like God was saying was what God was actually saying and leading him into. And he's come here and he's actually taught in this place, our people, on how to hear God's voice. How many of you have benefited from that? Okay? This is something that happens in apostolic communities. The prophetic gift activates people to minister prophecy because the prophetic is a gift for others as well as ourselves. Okay, now it's not just one thing for us to bring people in so that we idolize someone's gifting and ability to hear God and share it with others and then we leave them and then every one of us is left spiritually destitute where we don't know how to do that ourselves. Apostolic communities not only allow the space and room for prophetic ministry to happen, but they begin to activate the congregation to do what people were brought in to do for you. That's why we have Fifth Sunday Prophetic Ministry. How many of you have been through Fifth Sunday Prophetic Ministry? It's awesome. That is our people learning how to sense, God, sense what God is saying for you and sharing those things with you. We, we, we've had classes throughout the years taught on how to develop the prophetic gifting. Why? Because apostolic communities place a high value on prophetic ministry. Now, they do this because, number one, this is another number one, it's fine. Apostolic communities recognize that God uses his prophets to cause his people to succeed. He uses his prophets to cause his people to succeed. We saw this just from the scripture I, I shared just uh, a little bit ago as I closed. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat, that's the king now, stood and said to his people in the midst of a threat of an enemy invasion and wiping out their army. He said this, he said, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Watch this. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. In the kingdom, in the way that God orchestrates, he brings prophets into your life to deliver words to you so that you prosper. In all things. You know what I'm, I'm discovering and I believe over uh, the next generation? They need prophetic ministry so desperately because there's, Generation after generation that is graduating from college and they do, or high school and college and they don't even know what to do with the rest of their life. You know, a solution to that is hearing what God is saying, because far be it that you be 60 or 70 years old and you still don't know why you're alive. You still don't know your purpose. You still don't know why you're here. The prophetic ministry can bridge the gap there so that you know why God allowed you to exist in the first place. There is a success that comes to the lives of people that not only receive prophetic ministry, but you got to believe it. Because he said, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So apostolic communities recognize that God uses prophets to cause his people to succeed. Just a a side note that shortly after Jehoshaphat made that statement, the kingdom of Judah won their battle against the Moabites and they didn't even go and fight. Because they trusted, believing the prophets means that you are trusting the prophetic word. You're placing a trust in Not in the human being, that what has been spoken to you and over your life could and well, well possibly be the word of the Lord over you. And so here they are. Jehoshaphat says, you need to believe the Lord your God. He'll establish you. You need to believe the word of the prophets and you will prosper and so evidently, if you read the story, he sends out the worshipers because here's the other thing about uh, worship is that there is, there is a worship service and then there's prophetic worship. And prophetic worship, I believe, alters not only the current reality, but it impacts the future of what's going to take place. You know, John the Baptist, I'm just going with what the Lord is saying, or feel, I'm feeling. John the Baptist was the one that paved the way so that Jesus could come. Prophetic ministry does the same thing for your future. And not only prophetic, uh, prophetic ministry, but prophetic worship can do the same exact thing, not only in a service, but in your life. It will pave the way for the Lord to be able to do things. So these worshipers are going out glorifying God, and then God fights the battles for them by establishing confusion in the enemy's camp. So they literally just showed up in all of their battle regalia, and they did not even have to fight. Because God uses prophets to cause his people to succeed. The second reason why apostolic communities have a high value for prophetic is this they recognize that prophets are pillars in God's divine blueprint for his church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Apostles and prophets. Notice that the foundation of God's household was laid by apostles and prophets. So, what that tells me is that both are essential for God's design. For his church. Which brings me to my next point. That I believe that we need to give honor where honor is due. And recognize that one of the reasons why I believe we are an apostolic community. Is because we have people in our midst that have both a hunger and an anointing for prophetic ministry. And I believe one of those people that is worthy of honor is Pastor Betty. Pastor Betty not only has the gifting, but she has the hunger and the passion for it. And I don't know how many, I know that she's been on staff for a long time, but I know that her hunger and passion for the prophetic ministry, if you see Betty coming to you, you're like, here we go. (laughs) Don't you? (laughs) She's about to say something crazy. But it's because she has a passion and a hunger for it. But I don't believe it's any accident that God drew Pastor Betty and Rick here. Because when you're an apostolic community, you place a high value on prophecy. And so God draws people here to fill and facilitate what's necessary for an apostolic community to function. I think you guys need to recognize this. That there's been, it's not just been gifting and hunger, but there's been hours Learning the gift, going through and not just learning, but teaching people to operate in that same thing. And so I think it's it's worth uh, Pastor Betty's honor that we just stand and recognize and acknowledge what she's done here. Come on, will you just stand and join? Me? Makes us part of who we are because apostolic communities place a high value on the prophetic gifting. I'll say it again this church will become not just a local church, but an apostolic center and an apostolic community. God is going to release an apostolic grace that is being poured out on this house. By the way, I just also want to say that even though we're examining our foundations, I feel like A lot of what we're talking about this morning has a future implication. It's just going to help, I think, frame things that are going to take place here. If you know anything about our church history, you know this to be true, which brings me to my second point about apostolic communities. Apostolic communities are always founded by and led by an apostle. They're always founded by and led by an apostle. In the 58 years that we've existed as a church, we've been led by two amazing leaders, Pastor Willard and Pastor Dwight. And I want you to understand, (laughs) I'm just going to be honest, as I feel like, number one, I really didn't know that this was where God was going to take this second message. If you asked me on Wednesday what I was preaching on Sunday, I'd be like, Some of you are like, oh, he's unprepared. It's so unprofessional. Go start your own church. And see how unprofessional you will be. <laughs> we will bless you. No. But I didn't, I didn't, really, I didn't really know what, where this was going to take it. And so I started uh, reading through some things. And the more and more that I started to read through things honestly, the more and more I began to understand Pastor Dwight in a whole new level. And it's so important for us to understand the gifting and calling that sits on someone because if you don't, you will be frustrated at things you don't understand. And so... I started to to see this. We'll we'll go there. We'll we'll go there. So three things that mark an apostolic anointing. Number one, these are not the only three ones. These are just literally uh, things that that I felt like God wanted to highlight. Number one, uh, prophetic calling. Let me just say this. Apostles that never start anything aren't apostles. Apostles are not self-appointed. Just because you start an apostle page on Facebook does not make you an apostle. We'll get to that. But number one, they're prophetically called, which means that there is prophetic voices that recognize the calling that is on someone's life. They're not self-appointed. I feel like the Lord is calling me a, to be an apostle. That's ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as this scenario that played out yesterday. Allison was giving me a hard time, and I said, you better not talk to your apostle like that. <laughs> we, had the, we had the best laugh, but that was so funny. And I just started using it the rest of the day. Don't talk to your apostle like that. Carry my cloak. <laughs> <laughs> Prophetically called. Early in Pastor Jarvis' ministry, he met a man that Gary Larson, by the way, Gary Larson, if you want to know anything about church history, please speak to him. He's like a church historian here. He said that he met a man named Pastor A.J. Rowden from, I believe, the Kansas City area. And A.J., if you know anything about uh, the Lateran movement, which was a, a sovereign move of God through the American church, I don't know the global implications. But what Gary had told me is that they had some of the sharpest prophetic gifting in the last 40 or 50 years to have, you know, graced the earth truly. And it was AJ that prophesied this over Pastor Willard. He said, as James in the New Testament was an apostle to Jerusalem, Pastor Willard, you will be the apostle James of the city of Columbus. Now, what's ironic about all of that is that many of you may know this and some of you may not. But Willard was not his first name, was it? He was Pastor J. Willard Jarvis. J stands for James. <laughs> so A.J. Rowden did not even know that his first name was James, but he said prophetically, You will be like the Apostle James was to Jerusalem, you will be similar as an Apostle to the city of Columbus. Now, this was confirmed through some of the work that Pastor Jarvis started. Additionally, Pastor Dwight received this word in 2007, that a new level of prayer is needed by the congregation for Pastor Dwight as he moves out into an apostolic role in the nations. What was that new level of prayer? That new level of prayer is that every single time that he goes on a trip to Africa, you can see Dana and Leslie for a prayer itinerary. It's, a strate- it's another level of strategic prayer associated with these trips. So both Pastor Willard and Pastor Dwight have received prophetic affirmation about what their role is. Now, that's not the only thing that Mark's an apostle. Because how many of you know that if you give the right donation to certain prophetic gifts, you will get whatever word you want? And never mind. Am I not speaking the truth here? Number two, apostles are marked with this. Their leadership bears the fruit of apostleship. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2, even if others think I am not an apostle, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth because he planted the church, he leaves, and then there's all these people that come in after he's poured out everything and established this place and they like to take credit for the church. He says, even if others others think that I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof. You're the fruit that I am the Lord's apostle. If I have no fruit, I am not that. The proof is in the pudding. I can say all day that I'm an apostle. But if there is no fruit, I'm lying. He said, the fruit, you are my fruit. Pastor Jarvis's apostolic word about being James in the city of Columbus was confirmed through his work in pioneering something called the church in the city. If You don't know about this. The church in the city was this collective gathering that he was part of orchestrating in bringing different pastors that were pastoring different churches in the city of Columbus to come together to be a part of an effort of bringing the city of uh, Columbus together in agreement and unity about where the Lord was taking them in the Spirit. And that became the precursor for what came after that, which was CCAM. CCAM was this network of churches and ministries in the city of Columbus. These were the fruits of that. Okay, so it's not just about the word, it's about the fruit. And I could go on with story after story about verifying the fruit of Pastor Willard's ministry. But these are just some of them. I think it's no different with Pastor Dwight. To this day, we can continue to see all of the different fruit that's coming from his ministry in Africa and Central America. You can sit down and talk to him. and every I, You know what he's like, please, I need you to go on the trip because he's trying to get you to understand he's not lying. He's not exaggerating. This is real stuff. Now, I want you to understand there's, there's two types of apostles. In scripture, there were the apostles in Jerusalem and then there were the apostles at Antioch. These two really are distinctive about what apostles do. Apostles in Jerusalem are apostles that stay at home. Apostles in Antioch are apostles that are sent and isn't it interesting that in an apostolic community you would have one that is fa- that founds the church and is an aposto- apostle to the city and then there would be another one which was really mirroring an apostle from Antioch that's sent because that was the natural progression of the kingdom of God in the church of Acts It started in Jerusalem, and then it moved to Antioch, and Antioch became this hub where people were sent. And so you need to understand these distinctions. The number three thing that Mark's an apostle is they are pioneers in the kingdom. They're pioneers. Pioneers, this is important, are the first to do something that has never been done before or the first to do something in a place or with a people that has never been done before. The first to do something that has never been done before or the first to do something in a place or with people that have never been done before. Pastor Jarvis initially was a part of the first Southern Baptist, I believe, denomination, was it Millie in Columbus or Ohio? In Columbus. So the Southern Baptist denomination had had only came so far and they had not yet planted a church in Columbus. And so Pastor Jarvis was a part of the church plant to, to set up the first Southern Baptist church in Columbus, Ohio. And I believe that church was Whitehall Baptist Church in Whitehall, Ohio. I think the building is actually still there to this day. And um, that's where he started. And then through a series of amazing events, of extraordinary events, he uh, got baptized, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, that doesn't necessarily fly in the Southern Baptist denomination. And so at that time, they said, hey, listen, we'll let you uh, go back to our seminary. And you can be reeducated out of the experience. And Pastor Jarvis was like, no, we're not doing that. So he started Redeemer Baptist Church. And uh, what was interesting from what Gary had told me, this is so funny. He said, we finally had to drop the Baptist from our title because there were people that were moving from the community over... (laughs) They were coming into the community, and they were coming, and they're like, this is not a Baptist church. (laughs) This, I don't know what this is, but this ain't that. And so he felt like it was deceptive to continue that way. They're pioneers in the kingdom. When Pastor Jarvis founded Redeemer's Church, he was pioneering a new church that would become known for its charismatic expression. The church in the city was also a pioneering effort to bring kingdom and unity to the churches in Columbus, Ohio. Pastor Dwight started both the first end-to-end Bible college in America here and pioneered the efforts to get into the nation of Burundi with end-to-end where the school is in every county in the nation. That's what people with an apostolic gifting and calling do. They pioneer into places new things. So apostolic communities place high value on the prophetic gifting, They are founded and led by apostles, and those apostles are prophetically affirmed. They bear fruit of apostleship and pioneer something that has never been done before or are the first to do something in a place or with a people that has never been done before. And lastly, apostolic communities will always be gripped by a vision for cultural transformation. Acts 17.6, and this is where we come in as an apostolic community. I'm probably going to continue this next week because it's going to probably take a little bit more. So please don't plan to leave next weekend. Plan the next week. But Acts 17.6, Paul comes to Thessalonica and notice what they say. But when they did not find them, that's Paul, they dragged Jason out into the city, or the, some brothers, brethren to the rulers of the city, they were crying out, they dragged Jason out, and they said, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. That's cultural transformation. What they were saying was, these guys came through a city, and when they left the city, the city didn't look like the city anymore. That's what cultural transformation is. I can tell you right now that Burundi does not look the same as it did before Pastor Dwight came. It's a true story. Even down to the stories that within the end-to-end curriculum, there is information that is being taught to these uh, pastors that's being related to members of the churches about how to become uh, agriculturally um, independent. And they are are growing crops in these places to the point, Beth, you can confirm this, that government officials are coming and asking them, where did you get your information on how to grow crops like that? That is cultural transformation. And I don't know if you heard this a couple years ago, but we will no longer be in this place at 1850 Courtright Road for long where people don't know that we're actually a church here. Why? Because apostolic communities always have a vision for cultural transformation. It's not about just being in a place. It's about about how that church has an umbrella of influence over the area that it resides in. And so we have to understand that here, when they're talking about those who have turned their world upside down, they were talking about cultural transformation. Listen to me. When an apostolic community walks in its apostolic authority Culture gets turned upside down. The reason why cultures are not being transformed is because there's not apostolic communities. There's just churches. And these churches are coming in and they're saying, hey, let's bring everybody here. Let's bring everybody here. Do you know that old cities up to the Middle Ages had churches that were centers... They were governmental institutions that, sit, that towns would be built and developed out of from the church being in the center. And the presence of the church in the center was establishing cultural transformation. It was making the city look the way the city looked. Now we have it the other, the other way around. We have churches that are coming into cities, and it is our job to take ownership over the area that we are in, not only in a spiritual way, but in a very practical way, where we are extending the umbrella of influence into the place that we exist. Here's a a cultural transformation thing, Betty. The next time we have monthly prayer, how about we go to the police department that is the most local and ask them, what are the crime levels of certain things going on in this neighborhood? Why do you ask? because we have a church that believes in spiritual solutions and we believe that in the spirit realm, we can actually pray into those things actually being expelled out of this area so that their crime rates go down. Call me crazy. Or if God can cause confusion in an enemy's camp because they send out worshipers, why can't God do that? It's not just about being in a place and saying, well, we're we're just here because, you know, it's too expensive to relocate. You either are here or you're not. Cultural transformation. Redeemers does not exist merely to build a church that's great for us. That's why so many people get tired of being asked to serve somewhere. Because we're not building a church just for us. The the invitation to be a part of the Christmas outreaches and serve at Center of Hope and be a part of uh, LifeWise and be a part of National Night Out and all of these different things that are outward focused, it's getting us to understand that we're not here just for us. We're here to actually increase the umbrella of influence that we have in this area. Let me just break this down. It also exists to expand the kingdom of God, and that only happens when the church is sent out into culture to bring cultural transformation. Now, here's what's amazing who said that he would build the church? Who? Somebody's whispering. They're looking it up on Wikipedia or Google right now. They were like, Siri? Jesus said he would build the church. He said he would build his church. Well, what does he call the church do? He calls the church to expand the kingdom. So one of the reasons why I believe that the Jesus is not building the church is because the church isn't expanding the kingdom. When the church expands the kingdom, Jesus will build the church. The word apostle means one who is sent. One who is sent. But it's more than just being sent. And I'm going to break down where this came from, and then we're going to close. The word apostle means one who is sent, but it's more than just one who is sent. The meaning of apostle is this, and this sounds so confusing and so ridiculous, but I hope it really, like, I hope you get it. One who is sent from a place to another place to reproduce in the place they are sent to what they are sent from until the place they are sent to looks like the place they're sent from. That's what an apostolic community is about. You're sent to a place from another place to reproduce in the place that you are sent to what you're sent from until the place you're you're sent to looks like the place you're sent from. That's what the apostles did. Now, that's what cultural transformation is. It's when a place no longer looks like what it used to look like because of someone or something was sent there to transform it. That's why in Thessalonica, the complaint was, these guys are flipping cities upside down and now they're here. Do you think they're going to stop here? No, they're going to flip this city upside down unless we do something about it. In other words, when they leave, what this place will look like will no longer look like what it used to look like. It will look like what they came from, which is another place that looks upside down. We live as a part of an upside down kingdom. So much of what Jesus taught was opposite of culture. Why? because of cultural transformation. That's why the people in Thessalonica said what they said. Now, where did the word apostle come from? It's a Greek idea. It's a Greek idea. I want you to listen to this. This is so good. Greek governments would actually call their military generals apostles. They would tell their general, you're an apostle. Now, this is so fascinating. And listen to this. When and when a general who was called an apostle would go into conquer territory for Greece, there were more than just soldiers with him. Guess who were with them? Artists, teachers, philosophers. They would travel with the armies. Why? Because the goal was re- to reproduce Greece. In the place they conquered. And the reason why they understood this was because there were other cultures that did the same thing that Greece did, but they would conquer a territory, leave, and then when they came back, the the place didn't look like Greece. So they would commission these Greeks these Greek generals as apostles, and they would bring prof- They would bring teachers, philosophers, artists, people who carried the culture with them so that when they conquered a territory, they could set up shop and they could actually reproduce where they were sent from so that there was cultural transformation. You know, we're actually, fir- we're actually all the way down the road from that. So much of our culture has Greek origin. So this was an effective tactic. Now listen to this. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says something interesting. He, he had disciples, but he could have commissioned them to, do, to be uh, totally different titles. He could have, been, he could have said, um, I'm going to call you my 12 patriarchs, because that was a Jewish understanding. He could have called them 12 leaders. He could have called them 12 priests. He could have called them 12 prophets. But Jesus commissioned them as apostles. Where is that in Matthew 28, 19? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end Of the age. Let me just break this down real quick. He said, go therefore. That was the commissioning to be an apostle. Because apostles are sent. Disciples are not sent. Apostles are sent. Go, you're now an apostle, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command. You know what that phrase is? That is, this is how cultural transformation happens. You're an apostle. You've been with me for three years. You've learned everything that I've done. Get your WWJD bracelet and go somewhere. And in going, you're no longer a disciple because disciples stay. You're going, so now you're no longer a disciple. You're an apostle. Now, isn't it interesting, though, that discipleship is so, such a high priority in so many churches. We see it wall, on, the, on the walls. Uh, we exist to what? Create disciples. But do you know Jesus didn't, didn't exist to create disciples? Jesus existed to create apostles. So if we don't see apostles as a part of you owning that you're a disciple, you are settling for short of what God asked for his disciples to do. When he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, was not go therefore as an apostle one of the commandments that the disciples now as apostles would go and teach other people to do? The goal of discipleship is not to be a learner for the rest of your life. It's to become a leader that goes and gets sent wherever you're going. This is why you can, you, you, this is, I'm just going to say, this is why the church is often overeducated, but the harvest is still out there. Because we think as long as we're disciples that spend the rest of our life learning what Jesus taught, but avoiding this command to go somewhere, and actually in going, you become the goal of a disciple, which is to become an apostle, which is someone who's sent, who carries the culture of the kingdom of heaven wherever they go, so that where they go looks like where they came from. Let me just say this. I have a passion. I'm not expecting it to be your passion, but this is my individual passion. I feel like we exist here in part to be sent to this neighborhood. Otherwise, we're just taking up real estate that can be utilized better by something else. So we better make up our mind as to whether or not we are going to invest in the place that we were planted. The apostles' disciples were sent. Let me, let me just say this. Okay, Beth, come here. Example time, guys. Crisscross applesauce. Jesus. I'm not going to be Jesus. Rick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jesus, you're a disciple. Are, are you a disciple? I'm a disciple. You're, you're a disciple of who? Jesus, absolutely. You've dedicated so much of your time to learning, to growing. But you've got to be sent. Okay, so, but when you're sent, you're not really a disciple anymore. You're an apostle. I, I'm trying to get you guys to understand that, like, we, 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 we over spiritualize the commissioning of apostleship. Well, how can I call myself an apostle? This was what God wanted from the beginning. That every single disciple would be sent somewhere, and in being sent somewhere, they would transition from being not only a disciple to being an apostle. Because they're sent. So, all right, so you go, you go with everything that Jesus has taught you, everything that you've learned. You're doing this at Center of Hope, right? Okay, you go there, you have all these people, you get to interact with them, you get to minister prophetically to them, you get to get the prophetic insight that they don't even know where it's coming from, and you're able to share, and they're like, oh my God. Okay, now, you need to reproduce yourself. Okay, so um, Tracy, come here. She was Googling a scripture real quick. She was like, was that in the Bible? Okay, so now, here's someone that you're sharing every single thing that Jesus commanded you to do with them. They're a disciple. They're on the learning end. But ultimately, the goal is not for them to just learn for the rest of their life. So you're saying, hey, I love that you love to learn, but you've got to go somewhere. (laughs) And whether or not you like it, Jesus said, that we as disciples who are sent in becoming apostles, we're ultimately supposed to instruct you to obey everything that Jesus commanded us to do. And one of those things, sweetie, I don't know if Tracy or Todd calls you that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> one of those things is you're gonna to have to be sent somewhere and you're going to have to go with what they taught you, what Jesus taught them, and then you invite somebody along. It's the process of how the kingdom of God gets expanded. It's not about just bringing people into the church. The church, when it's sent out, is expanding the kingdom. And when the church is dedicated to expanding the kingdom, Jesus will build the church. Jesus will sustain the church. Why? Because the church has value in the kingdom because it's expanding it. It's not maintaining the church. When the focus is all on maintaining the church, expansion doesn't happen. Jesus will build it. But he needs people. And here's where you guys come in. You can sit down. Thank you. Like I'm, The awkward moment's over. Did you not remember the, the word? I See, I, I believe, I, I'm just going to say this. I'm hoping that at some point, people not just here, but who weren't here and in years to come will come back and this will be a video to watch to understand who, who we are. The word did not say that we would be a apostolic church because our leaders are apostles. They said that we would be an apostolic community. that means you will be sent too. And some of you will be sent as apostles that mirror Antioch. And some of you will be sent as apostles that mirror the apostles in Jerusalem. And you will be sent somewhere because this is how the kingdom gets expanded. Let me remind you of Ephesians two eleven, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. This is what we call the the, the knuckle sandwich of the kingdom, the five-fold ministry. I want our church to have a knuckle sandwich, to have pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Listen, What the artists, politicians, teachers, philosophers are to the Greek apostles is what the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are to the kingdom of God. This scripture was inspired by Jesus, penned by Paul, because he knew that God needed workers who are properly equipped so that the kingdom of God can continue to expand. This church, this is demonstrative language, will become not just a local church but an apostolic center and an apostolic community, which is all of us, God is going to release an apostolic grace for that that is being poured out on this house. That's not the only thing I'm going to close with this because I'm 13 minutes over. January 2007, other words were spoken to cause the supply so that this can happen. A new crop of leadership will arise. That's apostles. Or people with an apost- apostolic mindset. There will be a raising up of people for missions, church planting, five-fold ministry, local helps. Redeemers will become a base to the nations. We will have an anointing to be connected to the entire city, state, and region. The congregation will come alive to be used. So that tells me that we're not just led by leaders with an apostolic anointing. We're called to be a community of people who walk in an apostolic anointing. We are equipped to serve and we are equipped to be sent. Will you stand with me? I believe that there are some people in our, in our midst that already know this. There are some people that have yet to discover it. I love this quote. Apostles live with leaders. Prophets live with God evangelists live with the lost, pastors live with the people, and teachers live in the word. Some of you, you have a default passion and desire for one of those areas. Some of you, you just love to be with lost people. You love to to, to, to learn them, to study them, just to be, you are comfortable being surrounded by people who don't know Jesus and you feel this unique sense of this is where I'm supposed to be when you're in that. Others of you, you love the word of God. Gary Larson, you know you're a teacher. You live with the word of God. There is not a person that is more studied or more learned that I know personally other than you you live with the word. There are some of you that are so inclined prophetically to, or to think prophetically. What is God saying? What is God saying about everything? I mean, you're at McDonald's ordering a quarter pound, you're like, what is God saying about this right now? <laughs> See, hey, spoken from a person with a prophetic gifting. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? There are people that are wired that way. There are people that are pastoral. They love to live with the people. They love to be up in the people's business. They love to just, hey, let me go and mow mow your lawn. What do you need? How can I help you? You're at the hospital, I'm on my way. An apostolic community is people that can exist in a body, but they are sent outward to demonstrate those expressions so that the kingdom can expand. You know, we can have multiple teachers here. We can have multiple pastors. We can have multiple evangelists. We can have multiple apostles, both in Jerusalem and in Antioch that have the passion and burden to go to the nations, but also have a passion and burden to be sent to the neighborhood. All of those things can exist and will exist in an apostolic community. And God said, that's who we would be. And I believe that that's not only who we will be, but that's who I believe that we were called to be as Redeemer's Church, and it's evident in our foundations. Will you join me in prayer? God, I don't even know what to pray. But Lord, I just pray for a deep impartation of what was shared into our hearts beyond the words that this would help shape our understanding of our identity as a church of who we're supposed to be God of what you desired from the foundation you desired us to be an apostolic place where people are sent with their giftings and their callings. Why? Because apostolic communities always have a vision for cultural transformation. So Lord, I pray that you would expand our spiritual senses, give us insight and understanding to understand where we fit. (laughs) And Lord, I just pray this over every person that would be here that is listening or that will listen later that the enemy would want to plant this thought in their head I don't know where I fit here that they would understand that they fit into this picture of an apostolic community that is equipped and sent out God, I'm just asking that you would lead us, help us to navigate into the fulfillment of this prophetic word that has been spoken so that we can be who you have created Redeemer's Church to be. Help us to understand that we are uniquely, individually a part of the fabric of who Redeemer's is that this is not a place that we attend. This is a part of who we are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.